You're listening to the DFS On Deck Podcast, brought to you by LineStar, the top-rated DFS tool set and number one companion for DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Go LineStar Premium now at LineStarApp.com. Now, here are your hosts, fantasy baseball experts, Joe Pizzapia and Chris Meany. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to On Deck right here on the Line Star app. It's me, and as you know, Chris Meany is on vacation, Canadian weddings, which have a long history of, uh, as we mentioned, the dog sled to get to said wedding. Then, of course, there's the uh, pre-wedding hockey game that happens and a lot of things that Chris has to deal with, but he'll be back next week. Don't worry. And in the meantime, like I said, we had Tim Heaney on with us last show, which we crushed, by the way. If you had Boyd and Hendricks in that cash game lineup, you were off to a very good start, and we nailed that. Uh, and we have more guests, and today's guest, one of my favorite people, in fact, the first co-host I ever had on air, on radio, on podcast, anywhere. He's my OG. You know him from Awesomeo and from also FNTSY Radio. He's the one, the only, Loki Loki. Dan Strafford. Dan, how the hell are you, my friend? Well, that's a hell of an introduction. Like I'm doing that. well. I low did. Key, I did like key. that. You know, because Scott Bogman always says you remind him of, of Loki was an <laughs> accountant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So I always, whenever I see like your Twitter profile, <laughs> I don't know why that stuck in my head all these years. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. I forgot all yeah. about that. It's better than being called uh, many yeah. other names. So yeah, there fine. you go. So uh, it's, it's great. I'd like Dan Strafford also was host of the Fantasy Insiders for many, many years there doing DFS and uh, one of my favorite people to talk DFS with. And uh, Dan, before we go and look ahead, we always like to look backwards and uh, take a look at yesterday's games. Anything jump out to you yesterday with any box scores or things? We see Chris Bryant continuing to pick up things and, and obviously that was only a matter of time. What else stuck out to you from yesterday's games to carry with us as we go forward into Friday? I mean, it continues to be the story of daily fantasy that when Coors Field is on the slate, you need to at least have exposure to it. If you're playing single lineup, uh, cash game, whatever it is, it, it has to be at least part of your planning. I will say that I am happy to see the Angels put runs up, uh, but I just think this lineup outside of Trout, I know Tony's back, is one to continue to target. Um, beyond that... Pitching's rough this year. I think that the, the, the aces we want to be aces aren't quite there. We're having some run-in-the-mill starters really push forward. Jay Happ got back you know, uh, his uh, swagger a little bit that we saw at the end of last year. And I, I guess Carrasco uh, seemed like he was on the way. It's the first rain-shortened game I can remember in a long, long time. I felt like I was watching a Little League game when they called it. Uh, but the Indians <laughs> over the White Sox in a, a five-inning complete game shutout. Is that considered a complete game shutout? Well, Rasko, how do we score that? It is, I believe, actually. that That's that's how it is because it's, uh, I believe, on, even in fantasy leagues, that's how it's scored as well. And, look, you can argue that till the cows come home. It is what it is. What are you going to do? You move on. You're absolutely right about cores. And we were very careful the other night when Bumgarner was on. We actually went with Bumgarner and the Giants side. Uh, of that game and we were we nailed that when Chris and I were on that but you're right you got to have exposure the other thing too is some of those darlings as we start to cross over end of April beginning of May like Joe Musgrove had a great opening to the season mm-hmm. last two starts not good <laughs> I mean I think we can all uh, figure that one and that's kind of the disappointing too I feel like you mentioned Hapdan those are guys that the veterans who struggled out of the gate the first couple of weeks, whether it's a Hap or Chris Bryant or even Goldschmidt, who last year kind of struggled out of the gate too, 
over time, they, they find themselves, everything gets to where it's supposed to be. And then sometimes the opposite effect, those guys that look like they could be difference makers, you start to see a little bit more of them, the more exposure they get, the more things kind of come crashing down. Good to see uh, Mr. Polanco over there uh, for Pittsburgh uh, mm-hmm. get a dinger too, because that's been one of these guys I've been on for a while. I feel like the algorithms on both sides haven't really caught up to him yet in terms of what kind of talent he has and what he offers. Also, Josh Donaldson sighting yesterday, Dan. I mean, holy crap. I forgot he was still playing. Yeah. He was a guy, when, when he signed that contract, it made a ton of sense, uh, trying to oh, see if he's healthy. And I just, if healthy, and I have to say that caveat with him, if healthy, he's still a legitimate power threat against any pitcher in the league. It just has been such a, a slow roll for him to start this season because of nagging injuries. And that just feels like what we're going to have to deal with. From a DFS perspective, you, you play the matchup. From a season-long perspective, you, you probably play the matchup as well and hope for health uh, as he goes in week in, week out. Yeah, all right, so that's the end. Now it's time to go forward for Friday Slate here. Dan and I are going to break things down, uh, as we always do on the show here. We fly through the games and talk about the pitching matchups, talk about the stacks we like. We try to give you the most information we can and let you then go and make good decisions off of that. Our first uh, uh, matchup here we have is Trevor Cahill against Dan Straley in Baltimore. Now, you mentioned the Otani coming back, Dan. I really like him tonight, not so much on the DraftKings side where he's already 4.9, but on FanDuel, we've seen this trend, Dan, where guys are a little slow in terms of pricing, and he's just 3.5 on the FanDuel side. Uh, Cahill's been a guy that has shown you certain moments, too. He's 6.1 on FanDuel, 7.1 on DraftKings, where, I mean, when you're looking at a slate that's got a lot of big names on a lot of big prices in terms of salary, do you think that Cahill's in play in tournaments tonight as a secondary pitcher, even with the possible light rain in the mix? Yeah, I, I was trying to think through Cahill Thursday night, looking at this late and, and doing some other content, and he, he's just looked bad. Um, yeah. And he's, he's a guy in the past that we've trusted, a guy in the past that we, we've leaned on. But if you look at sort of StatCast data and, and you go to a Baseball Savant or you're to Brooks Baseball and start looking at his pitch mix, it seems like his arm angle and his release points are all over the place. And I'm not a pitching coach, but it seems like something's not quite right as he tries to figure out which pitches he's throwing. So I think in, in, in a vacuum, to bring that back, um, <laughs> oh, good time. I, I would love uh, Trevor Cahill in this matchup because it's Baltimore. But because of price points, I wouldn't want him on FanDuel. I don't want him as a single pitcher side. I think the blow-up side is oh, 100% way, way no. too, way too gigantic. He's a secondary guy and you know, allows you to go up a little bit. And I only say this because last year he had some good runs last year. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about a team at Baltimore that's just dreadful. So. You know what I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna stay okay. away from Cahill. So it's more of a trap, basically. Yeah, I think that the the Orioles aren't as bad as we think they are. They're not a great offense, but they only strike out 21.8% uh, against righties. Uh, they have a 308 Woba. Their ISOs at 164. So there are enough numbers here and Cahill's bad numbers that I'm gonna say stay away. All right. Uh, the Blue Jays offense has been worthy of staying away. Daniel Hudson, Dylan Covey lock up in this one as the White Sox take on the Jays. And look, I mean, the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. thing we talked about with Tim on the last show here, and it's, you know, he'll come around. It'll be fine. In the meantime, I, I think. But will won. it will it be fine? These, I think these, it these young whippersnappers. Think no, they, it'll be fine. Look, you know, I mean, hey, who knows? He might get sent down again, but I think long term will be fine. That doesn't help us in the daily right. world, unfortunately. But looking at this game, uh, you know, you see these kind of pitchers like Daniel Hudson and Covey. Do you think this is exactly what these two offenses need tonight to kind of get healthy, or is this kind of like what you mentioned before with cores in play tonight, probably not the best idea. 
Well, you, you just get into a, a situation where you're going to need to save somewhere on DraftKings, right? You're going to have right. to sort of hold your nose to maybe one of these low-end pitching options or to a stack or, or one-offs that you really aren't in love with. I, I think Dylan Covey's a bad pitcher. I think he's a legitimate bad pitcher. I don't think there's upside here for him. Um, Matchup-wise, on the other side, I think the White Sox have some holes uh, as far as strikeouts. I could could maybe consider it again from that perspective, but I'd probably stay away here too. I feel like this is slain on DK. I'm paying up for both pitchers, and I'm just going to have to find power right. elsewhere. I, I agree. I, I agree. I think this is another one of those kind of trap games there where the, the price – this happened to us the other day with Josh Smith who came up and pitched for totally. the yep. Red Sox. And Chris and I, by the end of the show, we both kind of talked ourselves in. I'm going, okay, I'm going to do one Josh Smith lineup just to see – and it's, it's very tantalizing because of the big names you can get in there and the big salaries. And you got J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts and all these guys. And, and at the same time, you look and you see what happened. He gets up four runs and he loses. <laughs> you, go, right. okay, you know, it's, it's just because it looks good, just because it allows you to get star power doesn't mean it allows you to get productivity. And that's what it's about. It's about productivity. And you would imagine Zach Wheeler, who looked great in his last start. Unfortunately, that Mets offense continues to just kind of spin its wheels for the most part. But Wheeler was tremendous. You got to pay through the nose from him. But look, he's facing Pablo Lopez and the Miami Marlins. He's at home. It's a good matchup for Wheeler, who, like I said, it's, it, you can't pitch much better than he did against the Brewers. A couple bad plays in the defensive side of things and, and a little few one-offs, and unfortunately he was on the wrong end of it. But I look at this one as Wheeler is one of those safe cash game guys, and because of the matchup and because how much the Marlins can strike out, I'm all over this one tonight. Yeah, I'm uh, the Wheeler uh, to me is one of two or three cash game options. Well, let's are... let's go right at the cash game guys because we got uh, on DK you got Verlander at 11k. Yep, uh, and you got uh, Wheeler at nine seven. Right off the bat here, do you take the savings or do you take Verlander at home against Seattle? Uh, I yeah, I take the savings. Um, I take Wheeler at ninety seven hundred. I think Verlander has obvious upside, but I'm going to save that thirteen hundred. I'd also throw Luis Castillo in the mix. Well, that was the next one. I was going to him next. Okay, 10.6 for Castillo on the road against the Giants versus the 9.7 Zach Wheeler. I still stick with Wheeler. Um, Now, again, this is cash games, uh, GPPs. I'm I'm looking at ownership where I can, wherever projections are available and trying to figure out who's going to be lower owned because I think they all have equally high upside. Uh, But I think Wheeler saving that, 900 there is enough of a savings to to push me to Zach Wheeler. And Castillo's really pushed himself into that, you know, that's here. He, really he deserves has. it. He really has. And this was a guy that I was in the black book last year. Everybody knows I was super high on. And then he got off to a bad start. And then the second half, he started to show you what he was. And then basically from the jump this year, he's been terrific. And uh, he deserves to be in that grouping, especially because some of the other guys we thought would be worth that price are either not pitching or not deserving of that price. So it's been a very tricky kind of start to the season there. Uh, Along with the Mets, since we're here in New York right now on this one, anything you like here? I see Ahmed Rosario moving up there, trying to get him going, which uh, he's just a disaster. Everybody knows how much, who listens to the show, how much I hate him. (laughs) But McNeil's that guy to me, always a good return on investment, gets on base. Cano just hasn't woken up, and that price has shown it. He's down at 3-6 right now on DK. Is that an opportunity or another trap until he gets going? I think it is an opportunity. You're going to be looking for savings across different uh, positions. Uh, and it really depends on stacks and, and where, where you're going for those stacks. But I think Cano is a one-off uh, in the middle of the Mets lineup could be intriguing. And if you're looking at a McNeil, Conforto, Cano, and why is it Pete Alonso? Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's 
feels like a contrarian stack that may not be necessary on this slate unless you're really saving cash because of it. Um, sure. So I like Cano. I think you're going to have to be on him early. He's the type of guy that uh, price is going to go up quickly. You know, you want to be uh, ahead of the curve with him. Uh, this matchup is a, a good enough one. Lopez has uh, some, you know, decent pitches that have shown uh, life throughout the year. But I, I like Cano here at 3,600. All right. Uh, I'm actually going to lean slightly. To, I agree with you on Wheeler by the way, over Verlander, I'm going to go slightly and pay a little bit more for Castillo just because sure. how I feel about that San Francisco lineup too. They're and 272 that park, against righties, the ballpark. And, and look, Castillo actually pitches well in Cincinnati too, so it's not really a problem there. But just looking at just, I mean, 1.24 ISO for that lineup. I mean, they're just, that's just a bad lineup. And they, they need to move Bumgarner in the worst way and turn that whole organization over because they're just bereft. They don't have this pipeline of, of – Vlad Guerrero's and Bo Bichette's coming to save the day. Like it's just not there. So for me, I don't, I don't understand that at all. They got to, they got to figure that out fast. Eduardo Rodriguez, 8.8 taking on the Mariners tonight. I apologize earlier. I said uh, Verlander against the Mariners, Verlander against the Rangers. So my apologies there. Swanson and Rodriguez in Boston. Now Rodriguez this year has pitched better at home than on the road. Um, now for me in this one, look, we know Chavis has been terrific. We actually see he's getting some, uh, some reps in the outfield. So we'll see how that kind of shakes out here. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. Better get, <laughs> get, get ready. Cause if he doesn't start hitting, he might be done. What's your take on this game? Is Eduardo kind of priced in a range where he's also a trap because it's 8.8 .8, or do you take it against the Mariners in Boston? I, the Mariners have been scuffling. Uh, you see. Yeah. Uh, great uh, first two weeks. And then after that really basically became who we thought they were. Yeah, and I think that's something to consider. I'd be intrigued. I don't have it pulled up. Uh, we'll try to pull it up quickly on what the implied run total is uh, for uh, the uh, Mariners. But I do think Rodriguez has to at least be in play. Implied here. run total is 4.2 for the Mariners, 5.9 for the Sox. Jeez. Um, yeah, I think Rodriguez is in play as far as at, uh, consideration. There are obviously well, I think some ownership will be low on him. Yep. Uh, I do think there's obvious power here for the uh, Mariners from the right side, uh, but you do have a 26.6% K percentage. Um, there are negatives. I would be interested over the last two weeks. That's a small sample size, but still. They are, but they've struggled against lefties too, this lineup. Yep. So that's another yep. one too. Just like the Angels struggle, they also struggle. I think, I think Eduardo Rodriguez, especially when you talk about um, ownership, percentage is definitely in play because I think you there's a lot of people will go up to the top or kind of slum at the bottom and he's in that middle yep. where, where people aren't and and the next game too is right in that middle it's Domingo Armand and the Yankees versus Tyler Glasnow and the Rays to me this is one of those coin flips and the coin flip games I like to run the other direction do you have a different take on this one a little bit do you, no. do you think that Glasnow can really just kind of just mow this thing down because look I mean Domingo Armand's been pretty good he has and I think he's become a, a legitimate daily fantasy ace i don't, I don't think he's a, a major league baseball ace That's but i fair. think he's somebody that you can lean on for strikeouts and for upside uh, while his price point has come up dk has done an obvious thing where they've lowered the ceiling of prices but also raised the floor so you're really in a tight window with a lot of these pitchers well, i've been saying it all year i feel like dk just offensively has been so tight too yep. it's just um, really hard whereas FanDuel continues to sort of let you play whoever you want but um I in some ways that's harder well, you know, yeah, because I mean, the yes. fans will side with the one pitcher and then play whoever you want. It's you know the losers. You know it allows you more options, which sometimes, you know, sometimes you become your own worst enemy. Right. The theory <laughs> is the theory is if pricing is exact, right? If pricing is right, there's only one lineup build. Everyone would tie, right? Like if you think about the math of it all, right. um, the the way it all works out is projection wise, you should all have the same lineup because pricing is exactly 
fine. It's 100% accurate. Uh, that doesn't happen for a variety of reasons. One, people are still doing some of the pricing, but two, they're intentionally trying to give you ways to build lineups that are different. Um, I like Herman. I like Glass now. I think they are secondary options as SP1s on DraftKings. I think they both have strikeout upside, but these are two offenses, and I know this is the, the scranton Wilkesbar lineup for the Yankees. They're starting to get some pieces back. Uh, but they, yeah, but you know what? The Scranton Wilkes Barre lineup is 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 pretty damn good. It, I mean, that's it, the thing. They found a way. I mean, it's. I mean, we we mock and we joke, and I've been guilty of it. But then you look at some of the options too. I mean, uh, Glasnow's been terrific, and but there's temptation there with Andahar and Torres in the middle of this lineup in the low to mid threes. Yeah, Glasnow has been terrific, and we've seen some changes in his delivery and and exactly how he approaches uh, his right. He's become his, more efficient too, which is yeah. the thing about Snell too. Can Snell become more efficient as long as the walks stay down? If right. Glasnow starts walking, and this is true of any pitcher, obviously, but if he starts walking people, everything blows up. I, I would say both these pitchers are in play for me. Ownership matters. If they're single digit, I think there's enough upside. If I'm building multiple. DraftKings lineups are like the um, the contrarian one of the night where people just aren't thinking about it because of glass now. It's one of those but intriguing they things, you know. Yeah, I, it's one of those intriguing things for me overall of of where the the ownership lies with the team like the Yankees being there or just unfortunately or fortunately depending on what way you look at it so popular like just as a team. Right. Um I don't know that they're ever completely off the board as a a, a stack, but I do no, think I think you're right though that there will probably be lower owned they have a 3.5 total 3.4 uh, implied live so yeah you're probably right i think they would be off the the board a bit and you're you're you're, you're going after upside right the you're, sneaky you're, stack you're going yeah. you're attacking upside and you're attacking ownership I'm fine with that, yeah. yeah i just look at the slate and you know there, there's not a lot of those out there tonight you know there's a lot of things that look very chalky which is again we like to say on the show just because this chalk doesn't mean it's wrong it's yeah, good chalk and bad chalk it's so. good chalk yeah there's lots of nice chalk that wins you money uh, Verlander, 11.1 on uh, DraftKings, 11.3 on FanDuel. you got to pay through the nose for him. Uh, are you okay with doing that tonight against Texas in Houston? Yeah, if this was in Arlington, I'd probably be a little more concerned just from an environmental standpoint. Agreed. We know that there's uh, more offense uh, in Arlington, Texas. Um, I'm fine with it. I, I think you're going to have to get creative with him when it comes to your offensive players and what stacks you're trying to piece together. Um, but... I think he's more than legitimate as a cash game option. Uh, I would say if you uh, subscribe to a site or an app or, or whatever it might be that does. Well, if you do, make sure it's a Lion Star app because oh, right here right. in the Lion Star app, they have the best tools. You see what I did there? See how I, I went right I, for I, it? I did. So if you get ownership, that's a concern for GPPs. If, if he's 30% owned because, you know, he could, well, probably 22 to 25% owned, that's a legitimate ownership on a, a big 14-game slate, so I might stay away from him in GPPs. Then. Texas has a 323 uh, Woba versus righties this year. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just yeah, I, I, there, it's there. There are obviously offensive pieces. Joey Gallo can take anyone deep. Um, I love that stat, too, that he has. He hit 100 home runs before 100 singles. That is the craziest thing, and that's in the history of baseball. Yep. I mean, when you think about how, how many players have played this game, that is an astounding statistic, and it's just one you almost think is impossible. On the Black Book show, Welsh called him the uh, – <laughs> he said he is the millennial of Major League Baseball players. He's like, no, I like that. Do, I'm just going to hit a ton of home runs <laughs> and do what I, I do. a bunch of dingers. He's yeah. the kid from uh, Little League World Series. Uh, I hit Oh, dingers. yeah, all I do is hit dingers, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, I love that kid. <laughs> the, the, oh, God. God bless the Little League World Series. It's the best. All right, Tyson Ross and the Tigers are traveling to Minnesota to take on Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi's at 8.8 tonight. He's had a very good start to the year. 
Uh, I was talking the other night about Miguel Cabrera, who is underpriced. He's under three again, barely. He's starting to heat up a little bit. That's good. Ronnie Rodriguez, too. Where'd this guy come from, Dan? It's another guy, too. It's had a couple moments here. You're in Mrs. Rodriguez? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, look, I mean, the Twins have been terrific. We all know that. Rosario's been a guy that you had to pay for, but it's it's been a very good run so far for him. Uh, Polanco's had some really good moments, too. Look, it's I, I kind of look at the Twins tonight as another one of those options, too, against Tyson Ross, somebody who walks a lot of guys and at times can be very hittable. Uh, to me, that's just, the Twins are another one of those. If you're not going to Colorado and you're looking to differentiate, I think Minnesota's in play tonight. I, I'm yeah, Kepler, Rosario, uh, yeah, all of them I think are in play, and and Ross also dealing with a neck injury I think or neck stiffness or, or it, mm-hmm. I, I really wonder how long it'll be in there. And he mentioned Odorizzi. Odorizzi is somebody I'm on tonight too. I, I I'm trying to well him and oh that here's a perfect example. Rodriguez eight point eight, Odorizzi eight point eight. I think it's a no brainer. I think the Twins. I think Odorizzi wins that out. Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I would rather go Odorizzi. I think he's figured some things out. Some uh, pieces are finally coming together. 3.6 implied live total right now for Detroit on the other side. Um, minus 227 on the money line right now for the Twins. So Vegas is thinking that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Odorizzi plus Twins bats are, are definitely in play. All right, this next game I don't love from a pitching standpoint. Trevor Williams and Adam Wainwright. Not a fan of either of these guys in fantasy. So uh, what I'm looking for is offense. And on the FanDuel side specifically, Paul Goldschmidt's just at 3.5 sitting out there. Matt Carpenter, 3.4. Uh, I think that there's a lot of opportunity with those two guys. And Gregory Planco, who we talked about at the beginning of the show, just 3.1. So FanDuel, I think I'll have some ownership of some of these guys, either as one-offs or putting a couple of them together in pairings or groups because – I look at this one and I say, hey, you know, the price is right, and that allows me to go up to the board on some of these pitchers I want tonight. I want nothing to do with the pitchers, but there are some pieces here, Melky Cabrera, Gregory Polanco, Goldschmidt, Carpenter, that I think are all in play. Yeah, I'm, I'm, And Jose said, Martinez, too. I'm going to throw him out there as well. Yeah, you said uh, Carpenter at third base at 3,400 is fairly priced, but cheap. So I have well, no yeah, problem exactly. with that. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like you're, everyone's waiting on that to you know there's there's certain lineups like it was the cubs for a couple weeks where meanie and i are basically like okay it's coming it's like we're we're in for it we're just going to be on it ahead of time because the price is right right now before it gets before rizzo and brian these guys get out of control and now they're out of control so now you have to let it go uh jake arietta and the phillies are traveling to kansas city who just beat the heads (laughs) in of the houston astros boy i don't know man that was a rough couple days there for McHugh, for cole for everybody i just yes sir let me tell you something Uh, buy your Josh James shares now, kids, because Whitley's getting lit up, and I think James might be the guy to get stretched out unless they go back to Keiko. I don't know. But they got to figure out something for the second half of that rotation. But uh, Bailey and Arietta, any uh, love in this game? Anything appealing to you price-wise or anything else? I, I, you can say I, no. This is a safe No, space. I think we have to consider Homer Bailey at 5,800. Uh, the oh. Phillies have enough. He's been, he's been bad the last couple starts. I, look, maybe I'm burned because I picked him up on that two-start week after he was good for the first couple outings, and then he got rocked those yep. two outings. So I don't know, man. I, I think there's I a legitimate love again. I, would, I don't know if we have a player prop on him. I doubt it. But uh, strikeout, I would say you do have enough strikeout upside here for Homer Bailey that at 5,800 on DK, um, there, there's upside. Again, on a site like FanDuel, I do think oh, there's no. enough. Well, but here's the thing. Like, on FanDuel, if you were looking to completely stack every top-end bat, he is 6900 Nice. Um, he's $6,900. So he's not even the cheapest pitcher on this slate. Um, I will point out, we, uh, well, I guess we haven't gotten to the game yet. We talked about uh, Castillo, but we'll get to that game in a little bit. Um, 
I, I think you have to at least see where you get offensively because if Homer okay. Bailey gives you a ceiling game with the, that offensive, you, you're you're up there in GPPs. So I, I don't love him, but I do think again there's upside here against. The so Philly basically, it's more of an indictment out. on the Philly lineup. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I would take most. I take Lance Lynn against the Phillies lineup potentially tonight. Like you know, I think there's enough. By the uh, way, I got there. Lance Lynn conditioning has not been his friend lately. No, you seen Lance? Like what happened? <laughs> like he looks like he's playing in the beer league softball game. He was hanging out with Bartolo. I don't know, man. But you know, it's it, look the first two. Look, he, he had a start against the Yankees and the mm-hmm. Indians. Six inning, uh, six innings, seven innings, six Ks in all, both of them. Then he had this start where he got absolutely pwned <laughs> after that by Tampa, and then another bad one uh, against the Angels, and a little bit of a bounce back. Uh, not much, but a bit versus Detroit. So I don't know if something just got off or something got whatever it was with Homer Bailey, but I see where you're going. It's not for the faint of heart, but I think the merit of it is certainly there and available, especially in tournament play. All right, let's go with Eric Lauer and Herman Marquez locking up in Colorado. Now, normally Marquez, you know, still shows you why Colorado's Colorado. However, against a lineup like the Padres, it does have a ton of strikeouts in it. And Marquez being a K pitcher, at 9.1 on DK, I think he's in the mix with this stack tonight. I, yeah. I think, I think you're, you're going away from the Padres. You're going more towards the Rocky side without a doubt. And this is one of the few times where Marquez at home, I'm actually in on tonight. I, I hear you. I'm not going to do it. Um, but I wouldn't disagree with anyone. <laughs> I wouldn't disagree with anyone who decided to, right? I, I think it, it, the strikeouts are there. We know he's a talented pitcher. His numbers at core suffer, as do everyone's. Uh, but... I won't be there because I'd rather just go to Wheeler and someone else, but uh, I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone. I, I think it's a fine play with strikeout upside. He could have, again, the ceiling is there. Uh, right. So I, I think that's fine. So basically what you're into tonight potentially is, you know, getting guys like Story and Arenado, who's going to be the very top of the board yeah. as they should be, especially Arenado against lefties. We all know that story. He should um, be 6K on DraftKings. Like I, he's 5'7 on DK. Right. On the FanDuel side, I have to flip back over there for a second. But uh, on the FanDuel side, he is 4.8. Yep. So 4.8, 4.6 for story on that one. So, look, I mean, if you want to get the cheaper end of this one, it's the Reynolds, Tapia, Desmond types. But I don't know if Desmond. that's the, You know, it's, a, it's not a huge appeal. Desmond to me more than any of them. But – I don't know, man. I, I, I think if you're going to go, you go hard for Arenado and Story and you live with that. And a guy like Bailey does allow you to do that. I think yeah, and I will say it is very difficult for Coors Field to take one-offs. Like you have to remember that if, Cor- if Arenado's hitting two home runs, typically it's a 12-9 game, so you need more exposure. You can occasionally get away with that, just have the one guy who gets it done in, in a Coors Field game, but it is more unlikely to do that than to stack the, the whole you know, lineup or whole game, in fact. So just consider that when trying to build a lineup, just not grabbing an Arenado or just a story that you probably oh, want to be in together. on. I think you go both. You're all in with, with both feet or you're not. Right. Exactly. And I'm going all in with the two big guys because the bottom of this lineup is not as exciting to me. Yep. Not, I'm not saying they can't get done, but Hampson's done nothing. And, you know, so even from a catching standpoint, Ionetta, when you have to play a catcher on the DK sides, and that's nothing exciting. Uh, Cody Anderson and the Cleveland Indians against the Oakland A's and Frankie Montas. There's another one of these games, too. Indians offense has been lackluster all year. We're just getting Chris Davis back healthy. Uh, and Profar has moved up the order. He's had a good run lately, and that price has jumped up, too. It was like 3.2 earlier in the week, and now it's like 3.8. So you're getting a little bit of a bump there from him also moving up. So uh, what's your take on this one? Do you have anything you like in the uh, Oakland-Cleveland game? 
Yeah, I think I would lean on the bats um, for the Oakland A's a bit. Anderson struggled down there at, uh, was it AAA? Got yeah. called up, spot starts here. And I, I think he's perfectly, you know, a target from an offense perspective for the A's. If uh, Chris Davis can't go because he was supposed to be reevaluated uh, on Friday morning and with the hip contusion he's dealing with, if Robbie Grossman is up in the lineup, he's somebody I love to target when he's in the top three. And just um, 2.4 for him over yeah. on the – you're looking for savings on FanDuel exactly. 2.4. I mean, there's a guy too. That's a huge one. And what, what are your thoughts on Montes? I, I, I'm, I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of his, but Cleveland has struggled enough that maybe he's a flyer at 60. And, uh, no, was he 70-something, 70 right? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, like, it's about the price you have to pay for him. Uh, I, I actually don't mind it, I'll tell you the truth, um, because of how bad Cleveland's been. He's 8.5. Uh, that's the mark for him over on the FanDuel side on DraftKings. What was his price, you said, Dan? I have to double-check because uh, they still have Brooks. It's the same price. Same right. price on both sides. Um, I like it more as the secondary pitcher on DraftKings than I like it as my only guy. Yep, that makes sense. That's that's where I'm going to go because I feel like if I'm going balls to the wall in Colorado, then your Homer Bailey play or something like that makes a lot more sense, whereas going in the middle is kind of tricky. Yep. <laughs> and if I'm going to go in the middle, I might go for – for just $400 more up to Odorizzi against Detroit or something like that, where I just see a little bit more strikeout potential than I see with Montas. I think that's, that's kind of the breaking point. Now, if he was just 8K or 7.8 or something like that, my tune would be very different. But I think the fact that they're basically the same kind of makes me secondary pitcher. I'm good with it. In fact, I'll tell you what you want to do. We did this the other night. Hendricks and Boyd was a pairing that we had across the board. We, could, we said it would play in cash games and in tournaments and it would. I think Montas and uh, Odorizzi tonight will do the same thing. Probably about like 16, 17 uh, between the two pitchers. And I would stay in that pricing. I think that's a very responsible uh, duo tonight where you can get involved there. Tehran and Zach Greinke in Arizona tonight. Greinke at 9.8 on DK. Tehran at 8.5. We said Josh Donaldson starting to heat up. That's good. Uh, This lineup was pretty good too against Kershaw last night. I mean, or the other night, excuse me. But, you know, Atlanta's a good lineup. They, They take a walk. They have some pop in there. Uh, certainly even guys like Markakis and Swanson contributed in the first month of the season to, I think above what people's expectations were. So what's your take on this one with Granky at 9.8, considering he's comparable to Wheeler. Are you just out on Granky altogether? Yeah. I, I, I just don't see um, the upside needed at that price point with other arms around him. I agree. Uh, <laughs> arms around him. That sounds really sweet. Just throw your arms around. <laughs> wide open. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Creed. Remember when they were a thing? My God. Yeah. They came on the radio the other day, and my wife started singing along and then looked at me dead in the eye. I was like, what? what, what? Shut this off. Why, why, why <laughs> What's worse, Nickelback or Creed? Oh, uh, Nickelback. Tough. Yeah, I'm going to say Nickelback, too. But Creed, the thing I hated most about the singer of Creed was that he had the, he had the prototypical 90s guy voice. Oh yeah, it wasn't the '90s yeah. anymore. It was like it was like the late '90s, early 2000s. We're like, okay, you know, like we know he just like grew up. He sat in his garage just listening to Eddie Vedder all the time. Right. <laughs> and always, everyone's like, with arms wide open, sunset. After it always sounds like he was, I don't know, exasperated at the end of every line. He's like, amazed he remembers it. <laughs> and then he was like super cool for a while too. And then they were all like, I, don't know, I just, yeah. They flamed out, though, so that's good. Whereas Nickelback, still going strong. I don't understand that. Even Canadians don't understand it. I've asked me <laughs> time and time again. By the way, I'm sure the first dance will be a Nickelback song at that wedding that Chris... Could be Brian Adams. Let's not let's Could not be. Could be Alanis Morissette, maybe. Uh, but I guess that for the divorce. Perhaps. That's for the divorce. 
Yeah. Angry Alanis Morissette album. Jagged Little Pills. Jagged Little Pills for the divorce. <laughs> All right. Annabelle Sanchez and Kenta Maeda in Los Angeles tonight. Uh, look, this Washington Nationals lineup, especially, you know, you get Rendon back and then you lose Soto. They've just been spinning their wheels. Turner went out early in the year. No Bryce Harper. They're looking for an identity, and they just don't have it. They sent down Key Boom the other day. Uh, I don't know, Dan. I, I think – I wish Maeda was just a little cheaper, but is this another guy kind of in the middle that you're looking at at home? Good situation. L.A. continues to basically be rolling. Do you think that you, you kind of troll the Nationals a little bit with Maeda tonight and maybe some of these guys like Seeger and Turner as we have been recently on the show? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I think Verdugo's they, another guy too, I think, in that mix. Yep, I think you're right right there. And you're going to be mixing and matching some of these arms when you're trying to figure out your best uh, lineup or, or lineup if you're you know, MMEing and crunching or whatever. You're going to have lots of uh, exposure to Meta too. The one concern always, and it's the caveat I always say, is Dave Roberts kind of sucks as a manager and we'll pull him after 80 pitches and, and six innings. So, Well, he's just 7.6. No, here, here's another question too. So on FanDuel, he's 7.6 tonight. And your boy, you brought up Homer Bailey, is 6.9. I think my eight of, I mean... Yes. Is the is the if you really don't have the balls to do the strategy Dan's saying, but you've got, you know, maybe not huge balls, but mid-sized balls, right? Might as like the version of that you could still get behind. Is that like mid-sized balls? I believe I, that was I, actually itis instead of uh, elephantitis. It's, it's something like that. Yeah, I, I it was, it's something something to that effect. It's it makes you different to singing like this song. Like if you have really big balls, you sing like that. I think that's what happens. Uh, fantastic. See, it's good to have you back. <laughs> but yeah, look, we, we've been on. Look, we, we were riding the train here. We were early on Justin Turner before. And, and look, he's still 3.6. Muncie's 3.4. Uh, Corey Seager's still 3.1. Verdugo's 2.9. On FanDuel, I think you can kind of go Maeda and get a bunch of these bats along with it. And I think you can figure out a way to work in Arenado and Story, too. I think it's, it's not impossible. You just have to make uh, one or two really good judgment calls here with either a matchup play or a guy who's just grossly underpriced. And last but not least, Castillo, who we talked about earlier in the Reds, uh, going to San Fran and taking on Derek Rodriguez. Uh, look, then Nick Senzel's been terrific, Dan. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Winker's only at 3.2. I know he's you know looking like he's going to play in this one tonight. Uh, Joey Votto continues to struggle. Yasiel Puig up and down. So this Reds lineup is kind of, every time you think they've broken out, they kind of revert back. So what's your take on this game outside of Castillo from an offensive standpoint? I think there are pieces here that uh, could be taken from the Reds, but I honestly, I was going to mention before, Derek Rodriguez on DK is somebody I need to do more research on. I'm not saying right now we're recording or, you know, in the morning, I don't necessarily want to say he is the, the guy to go to, but 6,300 is at least a price point on DraftKings specifically where I'll consider him. Cincinnati has some strikeouts in the lineup. They do have some struggle uh, from the power bats on the left side. Uh, so any pitcher really at Oracle Park, I'm, I'm going to consider. I'm going to see if I, I can make them work. Uh, but if he gave me 15, 18 DraftKings points, which is a high watermark, absolutely, um, I'd be golden. So I'll, I'll consider Rodriguez as well. Offense, I'll mainly stay away. I think you have some one-offs that might have some potential, but I'll, I'll stay away from the, the offenses here. Yeah, Derek Rodriguez, uh, Oracle Park, number uh, fourth most pitcher-friendly park. Uh, Cincinnati's lineup has a 21.6 K rate versus right-handed batters and a three, uh, 301 Woba versus righties too. So uh, look, you know, he's, he, Derek Rodriguez has put up 2018. He's, he's had that. They're projecting him on the line star app at 11.35 tonight. Uh, so if that kind of helps you decide one way I'll, or another. I'll take the over on that. 
I'll yeah. take the over. All right. Well, speaking of that, is there anything else too from a betting standpoint or underdogs you like or anything like that or overs that you are looking at or unders that make sense tonight from a betting line standpoint? You know, I, I've been tracking the, stat, the line since last night. And the one that did stand out is the fact that this Cincinnati Red San Francisco game is up to seven and a half. Um, which I think we might get the under. I hate betting unders. It's the worst experience in your life to have to <laughs> wait till the end of the game for that to happen uh, because it just, it, it, the NFL is even worse to bet an under because you're just waiting till the end of the fourth quarter and hoping right. you don't get a garbage time TD. Uh, but I, I do like that. And I also think that uh, there's a pretty straightforward uh, win here for the Mets. I know it's minus 175 uh, on the money line. Uh, but this seems like a spot where I think the Mets uh, have uh, slam dunks are the wrong word, obviously. But especially with the like, Mets, there's yeah, no such thing. But yeah. I, I just think minus 175. It's a smart bet. Is enough. Yeah, and and I'm all for that. All right, this is the point in the time of the show where we'd like to call our shot. I'll go first and pick the guy that I think is going to go yard tonight, and that guy's in Colorado. And his name is Trevor Story. That's right. I like Trevor Story to go yard tonight. I'm calling my shot with him. Dan, how about you? Who are you calling your shot with tonight? Who's a lock to go yard? That's fun. Um, I will say I don't want to go to Arenado because that's who I was going to do. Uh, well, I was going to do Arenado, and I kind of left it because you're the guest. I thought maybe yeah. do it. But. Uh, I will say that tonight, yeah, I got to go Arenado. I, it's just too, it's too much. Look at us, teammates. Teammates again here on the show. Teammates calling our shot. I love that. That's fantastic. Now, Dan's going to help us out with the weekend preview edition as well, so make sure you uh, check that out on Saturday morning. That always comes out. We take you through the weekend of DFS and wagering as well right here on the Line Star app. And make sure you've downloaded and are using and, and upgrading the Line Star app product to, again, some of these stats that we're throwing out at you. It's right there in black and white. It is the easiest way to make a lineup, the best optimizer I've ever seen. And uh, I've seen a lot of stuff. I've worked for FanDuel. I've worked for a lot of companies in my life. For me, being around the DFS world, I think this, and this is not because they pay me. I actually thought this ahead of time. <laughs> I, this Line Star app is really tremendous. You really should uh, get involved here with them and a uh, great bunch of people here running this company. I will say that as well. So uh, make sure you get on that. And uh, Dan, you can follow on Twitter at Dan Strafford. Very clever title there yes, for on the Twitter machine. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia17. And of course, follow us at Line Star MLB and at Line Star app. That'll do it for me and Dan Strafford. It's the only thing left to do except step out of the on-deck circle and into the batter's box and go yard. We'll see you next time, kids. You've been listening to the DFS On Deck Podcast, brought to you by LineStar. Hit subscribe, tell a friend, and stay tuned for the next episode from fantasy baseball experts Joe Pizapia and Chris Meney.